Bridgerton season one was like a lovely little encapsulated thing for me. I have not felt any urge to watch season two. Well, I will tell you this. Season two is actually a better show. Like it is, it is better on every, like the writing is better. The acting is better. Like it is a better show. They just veer so far needlessly from the book. And it's so frustrating because it could be an even better show if they had stuck to the book. Mm. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and adult rom-coms. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, library manager and YA lit enthusiast, and I am here as always with my co-host. I'm Martin Hickman, uh, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here today to dis- to discuss the 2022 Disney Plus original Better Nate Than Ever. Um, I believe this movie came out about 12 minutes ago, so if you would <laughs> like to enjoy it unspoiled, I recommend that you go watch it on Disney Plus uh, and then come back and join us for our discussion. Uh, Better Nate Than Ever was written and directed by Tim Fetterly, who also wrote the book that this movie is based off of. It stars Ruby Wood as Nate, Aria Brooks as his friend Libby, Joshua Bassett as his brother Anthony. Um, Who is the one that I'm thinking of who plays his... Dang. Um... Who plays his aunt? She's like not on the IMDb. Oh, weird! Uh, it is Lisa Kudrow of Friends. Lisa Kudrow who plays his aunt Heidi. Yeah, she's way down on the IMDb cast list, which seems unfair. It seems very um, Michelle unfair. Fe- Michelle Federer and uh, Norbert Leo Butts, who play his um, parents, and just a lot of other people. Lots of people. Um, I was looking for the um, actors who played the. Okay, uh, Christina Alab, Christina Alabado, Brooks Ashmanskis, um, Keola Simpson, Kayla Davion, uh, and. Where's well they play the directors. <laughs> um Marin, would you like to give us a brief synopsis as to what this movie is about? Yes. Uh so Better Nate Than Ever is about a thirteen year old from Pittsburgh, Nate Foster, who loves Broadway. Um he we we begin our tale with him uh, anxiously awaiting uh, if he has been cast in the lead of his high school play. Um, we find out he has been cast as a chorus member, which is a big blow. But his uh, best and only friend, Libby, uh, finds out that there are auditions for a new Broadway adaptation of Lilo and Stitch in New York. Um, and the stars align such that, uh, Nate's parents decide to go on a little getaway. Um, and Libby, I believe, uses, uh, her split household, uh, 
to uh, have them, you know, both take the opportunity to sneak away on a bus to New York. Um, they get to the audition. Uh, they find out that they need a parent or guardian there to audition. Um, but just by chance, um, uh, Nate, uh, runs into, he runs into his aunt Heidi, who, uh, is also a Broadway actress, um, who is struggling, um, and is clearly, you know, kind of working and auditioning, but still, you know, ha- hasn't necessarily hit the big time, um, so, uh, she gets them both on a bus back to Pittsburgh, but, uh, as they are getting out of the city, Nate receives a call that he has received a call back. So he runs off the bus, um, and, uh, uh, does a seemingly disastrous callback audition. Um, however... Um, he does learn that he got a call back, um, and has to stay the night in New York. Um, his phone dies, and so he discovers, uh, so as he's trying to figure out how to get in touch with his aunt, uh, to have a place to sleep, um, he discovers a group of buskers, um, and, uh, decides to, you know, he starts singing and dancing with them and he becomes a minor viral TikTok star overnight. Um, he finds his aunt remembering that she mentioned she had a gig at a bar mitzvah at the Museum of Natural History. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, while this is all going on, his older brother, who is an athlete, um, and has been going through the pressures of, I believe he has an injury at his track. Um, his brother sees this viral TikTok video, figures out that his, uh, younger brother, that Nate is in fact not at Libby's house in Pittsburgh, but is in New York, uh, travels to New York. Uh, this all converges, uh, as Nate is about to go for his final callback, um, and there is a confluence of Anna Heidi skipping another audition she had coming up, uh, his brother driving into the city and almost getting his car towed, um, as well as this callback. Everything comes to a head at this callback, um, uh, which we later learn, uh, uh, was successful and Nate is, does become an understudy, um, the one plot current I missed there was kind of the culmination. Uh, Nate uh, initially uh, chokes his audition kind of on purpose because he feels his brother is embarrassed by him. Um, and, you know, they have a they have a nice moment and his brother kind of says, hey, like, do your thing. Um, and Nate, Nate uh, totally lands that last audition. Um, and... Oh, yeah, and at the very end of this, his parents find out. One thing I actually I actually did enjoy that, like, it turned out his parents did not know until, like, the very end. <laughs> I thought that was a nice, um, I kind of liked the, like, his brother finds out, but his parents didn't. <laughs> yeah, his brother does him a solid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, all, all ends well. Nate is a, a Broadway, uh, uh, has a Broadway role as an understudy. Um, Heidi goes back and nails this audition that she has missed and, uh, is 
lands that part. Um, yeah. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so this is based on um, a middle grade novel um, that was written in... Uh, 2013. Okay. So it's about 10 years old. Um, it It is very, very similar. The big plot change that I want to discuss with you... Okay. ...is in the book, the Broadway show that he goes to audition for is an adaptation of E.T. Oh, okay. I can only imagine that they made the change because it is a Disney movie... Yes. And they probably didn't so, have the IP rights. And also Disney was probably like, well, we'd rather promote one of our movies. However, I have very strong feelings about this little white boy from Pennsylvania showing up to audition for a musical about a, of a story that is cast entirely with Hawaiian people. And aliens. Like, I was going to say, ultimately... he does end up playing the aliens. <laughs> he does end up playing the alien, but also, just the whole thing was very, like, really? Like, d this Disney you chose? And I I wonder if, because, it, again, in the book, he's auditioning for E.T. and gets cast in the role as E.T. Okay. So, so they're I probably wonder... like, we need another alien just to... <laughs> yes. Confirm how weird this kid is. Um, and maybe it's a statement about, like, he, he's playing an alien because he is an alien. I don't know. That is remarkably similar. So I made this comment to my husband, Bill, whose comment was maybe the movie is making a statement about how all white children are aliens. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know that I disagree. Um, but anyway, initial thoughts. This was a movie that neither of us had seen before. I recommended it because I'd read the book and I, I find the book to be truly deeply charming. Um, the sequel is about Nate being in the play. Um, so it even ends like pretty similar to where, uh, where the book does. Okay. Um, but what did you, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it, it was rough going at first. Um, I, I, really? had a, I had a much harder time with the first half, um, if only because it was a lot of, um, I don't know, I just felt it very tense. I felt very tense. I was like, ugh! Uh, I, I I think we have talked about, I, I am not one for, I don't enjoy watching other people uh, be embarrassed, and I just felt like there was a lot of, like, Nate being embarrassed about himself, uh, Nate getting into shenanigans, and, uh, yeah, that, that was tense for me. I, I don't like, like, maybe this is why I hate it on a company minors. I hate the, like, brand of, like, will child get away with this humor? Um, it, uh, I don't know. Made me very tense. I just also was very worried for their safety uh, <laughs> through large chunks of, especially the first half. Um, so I think I, the first half was tough for me. I uh, 
I also kept waiting for them to let Norman Leo Butts sing. Let the man sing. Why doesn't he get a song? Like, okay. So that is actually my number one criticism of this movie. It has like two musical numbers and it needed at least seven. Yes. I'm like, yeah, went to the trouble of hiring Norman Leo Boots, Mr. Original Jamie from the last five years album himself. The last five years was very formative for me. Um, So I'm sorry. You went to the trouble of hiring him. Like, a very famous Broadway actor. And you have him sing exactly none times. None. And also, the child who plays Anthony, Nate's older brother, is from High School Musical. Yes! Yes, he and is! he also does not get to sing. Yes! John- um, Joshua Bassett can also sing! Like, what? Why? Why hire these musical theater people if they don't get to sing? Yeah, this movie is a pretty tight, like, 96 minutes. And I think they could have added 20 more if they were all musical numbers. Yes. I, yes, I I definitely agree. Because I, I think that the parts of this movie that were strongest were, um, uh, I really enjoyed the busking scene where we get to see, I think that's kind of the first time we really get to see Nate and his element. Um, and yeah, and then that audition scene. So it's like, yeah, why don't you have five more scenes like that, please? Well, and I want to talk about the busking scene for a minute. Um, and I also want to go back to one of the things that you cited as being something that you didn't love about this movie. I am totally on board. I don't like awkward based humor. Yeah. I do not like humor where I'm meant to feel embarrassed for somebody. Mm-hmm. This movie did not bother me because I didn't feel that Nate was ever embarrassed about himself. Like kind of the point for me is that he is not ashamed of the fact that he's kind of weird and likes musical theater. Like the closest we got to me feeling secondhand embarrassment on his behalf is during that final callback when he realizes that he didn't need to be doing all of the lines on the page. He just needed to do stitches and all of the jerky little theater wonderkeens are like tittering him at him at the background. Um, But I did not feel so much of that in the first half because I didn't really feel like Nate was ever ashamed or embarrassed about himself. And I liked that about him. Like, He's a weird little theater kid, and yeah, let him be a weird little theater kid. Yeah, I just felt like there was a lot, and I I think the movie was firmly on Nate's side, but there was still a lot of, oh, yeah, he's so different from everyone around him, isn't that funny, ha, ha, ha. And I, I don't think it was done in a mean way, but it just made me so tense um less from like secondhand embarrassment for for him although oof, there was also that uh first callback where he splits his pants um that was only rough for me because in the book he actually does like a full 
weird like it like they're describing it in the book so i was like i want to see him do this weird dance sequence and that felt like a cheat to me mm. that they didn't have him do that i was like maybe this kid was not actually going to be physically able but then he does a really good little bit of physical comedy when he actually is like acting out as stitch on the stage yeah. i'm like oh good he's like gangly and weird <laughs> this is great right yeah no, I think it was, yeah, it was just a lot of, like, not that I felt like the movie was having us laugh at him being humiliated, but I just feel like a lot, like, there was just so much of that dynamic that it mm-hmm. was like, ooh. Um, yeah. I think I also, I think I'm also, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but, like middle grade material is something that I think I'm more familiar with than you. Yeah, that's and I mean, yes, that's very possible. Embarrassing, like embarrassing this child is not something that I think this movie ever would set out to do. Like that was that was just not a place that I was pretty sure the movie was going to go to. Yeah, and because... I didn't know that, so it was also a right. lot of that. The the it was like what it, what are we gearing up for? What is happening? Uh, and there are, I think there are other movies that would have, like, yeah. Unaccompanied Minors would have played that right. to the hilt. Um, but this movie, I think this movie was always going to be kinder to Nate right. than right. that. Yeah, I guess I just, I didn't feel secure in this movie sure. until until we got the busking scene. Because it was like, oh, okay, like. That was such a good scene. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I can't. The kid was so cute. Yeah. I really liked him. Me too. Um, I think he did a great job. I I did not love the Stitch song, but yeah, that was, was more just because I, I didn't think the song was that good. Yeah. Um, it was forgettable. But the, the first musical number that he has, the kind of musical fantasy number mm. about being on the marquee, that I thought was a bop. Like, that one really worked for me. And that was when I was like, yes, going to be a full-on musical, going to have a full-on soundtrack. And it just, it didn't. And that yeah. feels like such a waste to me. It feels like such a waste. Especially when they go to the trouble of having... Okay, so at first I thought it was a coincidence. There was like a moment of the score that sounded so much like For Good from Wicked. And I was like, huh, I don't think that's entirely coincidence. Like, they're definitely oh, like... Oh, for sure not. And then, and then later when they were actually singing Wicked, I was like, oh, okay, yep, yep, got it. I need you, I need you to understand that I started weeping during his last audition song, and I did not stop until the movie was over. (laughs) I am such I am such a sucker for like family coming together stories, Mm. and him and Libby and Anthony singing "Wicked" in the car ride on the way home. I was just like, "Yes, more of this." Well, and unfortunately, what I was going to say to illustrate is, like, I remembered that more. I remember overhearing lines that sounded like they were from For Good more than I remember the original songs. <laughs> well, I, they could have made this just a jukebox musical, and it still would have been great. Like, yeah. you know, let him sing the full Corner of the Sky song. Like, right. just put full dance sequences into this right like you're disney you have the rights to so many musicals just put them in there like i don't know i guess yeah 
they either I think they needed to commit to one or the other. They need they either needed to bump up the original songs or they just needed to throw in like his initial dream sequence could have been to um Broadway Melody from uh Singing in the Rain. Like cuz that was definitely an homage to that sequence. I was like, yeah, you could have sure. just done you could have just done Broadway's humming, everybody dance. Yeah, like, what was the point of having one, like, two original songs? Maybe, and then, yeah. and then playing the Broadway song like twice. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they should have just yeah, like I can copy and paste for you the songs that could have been there. You go. I already did the first one. Just put in Broadway <laughs> melody at the beginning. Uh, put in, oh, they probably don't own the IP to Dear Evan Hansen. No, wait, Mark Platt produced this. They totally own the IP to Mark, to Dear Evan Hansen. They could throw in Waving Through the Window in there somewhere. They oh my can... God, you know, you know this child knows all the words to that score. Exactly. Uh, you could throw in, I'm just trying to, like, think, like, wait, does Disney own that? Um, you could throw in Don't You Rain on My Parade. Like, it's, you guys, Oh my God. It's not That would have been... Watching this small child sing Don't Rain on My Parade would have been incredible. Right? Uh, and then the whole family could have sing For Good together at the end. There, I did it. Done. <laughs> um, I thought Lisa Kudrow was lovely yeah, in this movie. Yeah, she did great. Um, yeah, her whole deal is that she and her sister have been estranged for a very long time. So she um you know is like shocked when nate shows up out of the blue um and so she hasn't been able to be that much of a part of his life um but both of them i think kind of understand that they are like kindred spirits Mm -hmm. um and I just really enjoyed watching her connect with him because she's clearly somebody that Nate has like idolized for his whole life. Like she went to Broadway to be an actress. And even though she's like not as successful as she probably wants to be, she's still there and going to auditions and, you know, living in her tiny apartment and, you know, has this life that Nate in his like 13 year old self is like, yes, I want that. Um, so their their connection was really sweet. Yeah, there was, a, it was a little bit of, uh, okay, like, insta, like, maybe one more scene of them bonding um, for me, but. I didn't really have a very clear sense of how, like, I, I know that they said that she didn't go to her sister's wedding, but are we kind of to understand that she has not had any contact with their families, like, ever? I I think that so my understanding was she blew off her sister's wedding for a callback, which woo sorry so not on your side there. Um, I mean pursue I your dreams and all, but not on your side I there, think, Heidi. I think it would depend on how certain that callback was. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, she because it's not like it's not like the callback people are scheduling with her. I don't know. You can have many callbacks. Your sister only has one wedding. Like, oof. That would be a tough one for me. Um, and to the movie's credit, I don't, I, I, they maybe lean a little more on the, like, 
they they do at least be like, yeah, like they have her at least be like, yep, no wonder my sister was hurt. It's not, I can't believe my sister would begrudge me missing her wedding. Like she recognizes that she had a hard choice and she chose her career. Um, but yeah, gotta admit for me, that was a little hard one to swallow. Um, but yeah, so my understanding was, yeah, she, that kind of caused a riff and then, you know, they, I think from there they kind of went more low contact and then over time just like faded completely out of contact because she mentions that she obviously has met Nate and Anthony before, but just has not seen them in a very long time. Yeah, because that was going to be my follow-up. Like, I know she misses her sister's wedding. Her sister doesn't come to an opening night thing. And then she has five birthday cards for Nate that she hasn't didn't send him because she didn't know if he would open them. And if he is, like, 12 or 13, then... And he clearly knows her. Like, he knows that she's an actress. He knows that she lives in New York. He um, knows what she looks like offhand. Yeah. So, um, the, the circumstances to their estrangement were a little fuzzy for me. Um, but I did, I did enjoy that the movie does not paint either of them as being like horrible and selfish. And then like, by the end, they're both kind of like, we don't even remember why we're mad at each other anymore. Right. Um, I don't know. I find that lately I'm loving a movie with no villain. Hmm. I'm loving a story where the conflict is all like character driven and there's no like bad guy. The the closest thing we get to a villain is the bully in the beginning. Um, and by the end we're, we're given to understand that he bullies. I, I think probably, I think the implication and let me know if you think I'm reading too far into this. Um, but I believe that the implication is that he's bullying Nate because Nate is, like very upfront about the things that he loves that we find out that the bully also enjoys. Like Nate catches him singing corner of the sky in the bathroom at the very end of the movie. And this is coming after Lisa Kudrow gives him a speech about how like there are other kids in your school that know all the words to Pippin. They're just not as upfront about telling everybody. So I felt that that was supposed to be like, this kid is bullying Nate because he's jealous of how, open Nate can be about the things that he's passionate about. So even by the end, we, we have a little bit of empathy for the bully. Yeah, that was, that was the implication I took away too. And, you know, bullying is bad. Like don't do it, but also these are 12 year olds, so they're still figuring it out. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think that, um, I also enjoyed too, that it wasn't, you know, the casting director, weren't like evil they were just like no they were trying to do their jobs they're just trying to do their jobs and like they're an obstacle like they have to like figure out how to con one of them into letting them in um i loved the one woman who was like the weird kid where's the weird funny kid he was my favorite yes like yes be um be memorable like yeah. i feel like it's 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 kind of similar i mean it is a, similar to a job interview because it is a job interview but like the more memorable you can be in whatever that means the better because mm-hmm. if they remember you that that's one 
that's one step closer to them calling you back if they remember who you are and what your name is. Right. Right. Like he, he made an impression. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, which is why I don't know. I you were mentioning not knowing how to feel him being stitch, but I I think that's like a good vibe for him. Oh yeah. No, it was just it was just very funny yeah. <laughs> to me. Like and part of that was because I had the context of the original material. Yeah. Um like switching from E. T. to Lilo right. and Stitch is like that is just very funny to me. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, but yes, for me ultimately this one ended up much closer to like a um much closer to like a wrinkle in time than a unaccompanied minors. I thought this was very charming. I thought it was very funny. I thought the kids were great. We even talked about um his friend Libby at all. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, Libby is his best friend. Um who is played by Aria Brooks. Um, and she is like, first she, like she finds the audition. And I think that she initially thinks that it's going to be like a one and done. They'll run out to New York for the day and then be back by night because, you know, nothing's going to come of it. And then as Nate like gets more and more successful, she's like, Oh no, I didn't plan for this. And also theater's kind of your thing. It's not mine. Um, so she has a lovely little side story about kind of opening up to Nate about what exactly she loves to do and finding her place that is still kind of accompanying Nate, yeah. but not in the same way. Like by the end, she's basically like, I'm your agent, deal with it. And it's perfect. Um, the one change to their kind of storyline that I was a little disappointed by mm -hmm. Um, in the book, when she has the moment where she admits to Nate that she's got a crush on him, in the book, his response is, like, I'm 12. I I don't know what I like. Like, it, it's very... It, 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 the movie, he is very... It is very clear, like, Nate is a small gay child. And that is great. Like, he doesn't... He says it in kind of a roundabout way because it's still Disney. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of liked how in the book, he's just like, I'm 12. <laughs> I don't know who I want to kiss. Like, the only thing I'm really worried about right now is whether or not I get to be a stupid or a silly puppet in a Broadway show. <laughs> um, but I... So, I don't know. I, I guess as I'm as I'm saying it out loud... I think it is kind of cool that they went more, um, what's the word? Or like, um, they were more explicit. Yeah. That they, they made it more explicit and they made it less implicit. Um, even though they didn't actually have Nate come out and say like, I'm sorry, I like boys. <laughs> he says, how does he put it? He's like, my interests are different. I don't know. It's, it is a weird euphemism that the audience is, I think intended to take as him mm. telling her that he's gay. 
Um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting difference for, I thought that was an interesting change for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying about in some ways it, it, I think it would have been a good choice to just like leave it ambiguous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's good too. And I don't know, maybe it reflects that like younger generations like have more space to examine and be open with their identities. Um but um okay, so my question, one of my other questions though about in terms of changing from the book. So in the book, cuz obviously TikTok did not exist. Does he become like is it like a YouTube situation? I don't think that exists at all. Okay. So there's no storyline about him going viral or anything. I don't believe so. Okay. I don't quite remember, but yeah, I I don't think that there is an equivalent to that storyline. Okay. But I enjoyed that. I thought it was kind of funny. I actually, I thought it was really kind of funny um, to have the, like, people popping up during the rest of his time in New York being like, yeah. hey, you're the TikTok kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they used that well. They used it judiciously. Like, woman lets him onto the subway. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't... When she's like, I know you're not about to jump that turnstile. <laughs> It's a matter of life, death, and dreams. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they use that judiciously enough that it's like, yeah, wouldn't, like, you know, they don't overuse that. But, like, they do, they don't just, like, do that and not follow up on it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, a lot of the letterbox reviews have people commenting like, "You can say gay. It's okay." Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think that this this movie. I don't know. I think I was so tense during the first part of this movie because I was not sure where it was going, and um. Yeah, I'm glad it went in a less cynical direction than I thought it would. I don't know. I also just don't necessarily enjoy spending a lot of time fictionally in middle school. Well, this one doesn't really. Like, we're we're in it long enough to establish that middle school still sucks, and then we leave. Right, but it was long enough for me to be like, ugh. So I think that's probably part of why I like started this movie on a down note. Um, and yeah, it took me until it was like, oh, okay, they're not going back to Pittsburgh. All right, we're we're here. We're we're doing this. All right, that I kind of relaxed and let myself get into it. Oh yeah, and I've definitely watched movies before where like everything was fine, but I had a lot of trouble enjoying it because I was afraid that the bad thing was going to happen. Yep. <laughs> Um, I just, I think that I I did not really think that this kind, I didn't think that this was the kind of movie 
to be mean to its main character in that way. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't think it was going to be mean, but I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be much more like his parents discover him and they drive, you know, I thought it was going to be much more like he, the lesson he needs to learn is like, or I guess the like I thought it was gonna be much more like family coming together story and not like also because it was still that but I I thought it was gonna be that in a more like painful way and less mm-hmm. like little little kids sing at talent agents casting directors casting directors um if they turned the sequel of this book into a movie which is called five six seven eight would you watch it Eh, maybe (laughs) i also okay and this is something i realized with la la land too i have i also just generally have fairly little patience for like but my art stories um and they, I think this was a very sweet version of that, unlike La La Land, which I think is just unbearable. Um, so can you can you define what you mean by that? Because I I think I understand, but I'm not quite sure. Um, because based on the way that you said that, I don't know that I would call better Nathan ever that kind of movie. So I'm interested to know what you think are the defining characteristics of. But my art! (laughs) Well, I think at the beginning there are signs that it might be that kind of movie. Because he, like, seems to be invested in his dream at the expense of developing a relationship with his brother. Or developing a relationship with his peers. Um, And then, like, it it veered. But I, I would define a but my art movie as, like... A main character being so singularly focused on their artistic content and, like, the importance of being an artist that they, like, neglect their relationships, their, like, um, mental health. Like, I feel like there are a lot of those stories, and I I feel like at the beginning of this movie, it, it was not clear to me that this was... Not going to be a story about how Nate had to, like, how Nate was going to prioritize, you know, getting on Broadway before, like, his relationship with everyone and everything else. Um, And it it was much more balanced than that. Um, Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that puts out those vibes at the beginning, and I just react instinctually to those vibes. Yeah, and I, I think that that's because Nate is a child. Like, I I think for for this character, like performing and being a like being a Broadway actor is clearly what he wants to do as an adult. But right now, it can't be all that he does because he's still a child. And I think that I have much more patience for passionate children than I do for. Ex- example ryan gosling and lost <laughs> um um 
but yeah, like like Nate is so fresh faced and enthusiastic and kind of naive, um, that it doesn't come across to me as like he is neglecting other things in his life to pursue this. It's just like, oh, he's he is focused and single-minded in the way that children are. I don't know. It feels more refreshing to me coming from a kid and as being a part of a kid's story than it does. Whereas an adult, I'd be like, you have bills to pay, figure it out. (laughs) Well, and I don't know if I'm also like having glee leftover flashbacks of like, Oh God, is this going to turn into glee? Um, where, like, in some instances, the the devotion to theater um, turns, you know, turns them, particularly Rachel, into terrible people. True, but also, Nate's not a terrible person. I know. Like, but it he's, was, uh, yeah. He's very, he's very passionate, but also we see him, like, be sensitive to Libby and, like be kind of emotionally connected to Heidi. Um, yeah, but I kept waiting feel... for that ball to drop. I think there is enough, there have been enough stories like this that. This is not a story, I think, this is not a story about a child being cutthroat. Yeah. I think. Yeah, but like, again, I think I I came in not knowing that and like had the like, oh, is this where this is going to go? And then it didn't. And so I was fine with that. But I, I'm setting up, like, why I was very tense throughout the first part of the movie. I don't think that this precludes the idea of Nate becoming a Rachel-type character in his later high school years. <laughs> He's just not there yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he'd probably be more of a current, let's be honest. That would be fine. I actually, a a legitimate thought that I had watching this movie was, ooh, I bet Chris Colfer is mad they didn't make this 10 years ago. <laughs> yes. Chris Colfer would have crushed this. But the the person I found was very good, and I'm presuming this is his first job, Ruby, Ruby Wood. Yes, I thought he was great. He I thought would, he was adorable. I would yeah. watch him in more stuff. Yeah, he did excellent. I hope that he got that sweet, sweet Disney money and that sweet, sweet Disney contract. Oh, God, I hope so. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, I would watch the sequel just to watch him do more stuff. Plus, now I'm kind of fascinated to see what the... um, what the Lilo and Stitch music actually (laughs) look like. Well, and especially because, like, unlike E.T., like, there's pl- there's some songs in Lilo and Stitch. Like, they would presumably... Well, I guess maybe it's just the Hawaiian Ocean Ride. Hawaiian Roller Coaster. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, but on the other hand, that song rips. That's so a great they song. Be, they would be fools not to put it in there. Yeah, they better. Any final thoughts on Better Nate Than Ever? Let Norman Leo Booth sing. That's my final thought. <laughs> Let the man would sing. You rec- 
would you recommend this movie? Mm, I think conditionally. I think if this is the type of movie you're in the mood for, I think it's, I think it's a little more to your taste than other movies. Yeah, I. Your mileage may vary. That's the term I'm looking for. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, but I think it's a little bit more in my wheelhouse. It also was very comfort foody, and that just kind of hit the spot for me right now. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. What would you recommend to our listeners to enjoy after they're done with Better Nate Than Ever? Um, well, this movie made me think of a, I think it's a either 2000 or 2001. It's a fairly recent, tw- or sorry, 2021. Yeah, 2021 uh, romance novel Make It Sweet by Kristen Callahan. Um, and funnily enough, it made me think about it because it deals a lot with the dark side of acting and, um, like how challenging being an actor is. Um, and it's about a woman named Emma who is on a basically version of Game of Thrones. Um, and in a short succession, she, her character gets killed off and she finds out her boyfriend's cheating on her. Um, so she runs away to, um, this, uh, California resort, um, where she meets the owner's, um, grandson, who is an ex-hockey player and, um, shenanigans ensue. Um, also there's a lot of, it's, it's a very food heavy romance novel because the hero Lucian uh has moved on from being a hockey player to being a pastry chef. So there's a, right. so there's a lot of descriptions of food. But anyway, it yeah, kind of in an opposite like the dark sides of fame because at various points both of these main characters have been famous. Um but yeah, it's just a lovely light um I I think Kristen Callahan is a is a wonderful writer um so yeah i would recommend it uh make it sweet by kristen callahan martha what would you recommend Uh, i would recommend a book that was co-written by david levithan and john green called will grayson will grayson Uh, this is about two boys both named will grayson who meet on accident in chicago while they are both kind of on their way at night to other pursuits Um, and how they end up impacting each other's lives. And the reason that I am going to, the reason that I thought about this book while I was watching this movie is that one of our Will Graysons has a friend named Tiny Cooper, who is very large, very gay, and writing an autobiographical musical about himself. So I could not help but think that he and that he would have adopted Nate instantly uh, (laughs) and taken care of this tiny musical gay boy. Um, but it is um, much like David Levithan's other alternating books. Uh, he and John Green alternating alternate writing chapters from each of the two different Will's uh, POVs. Um, it's very slice of life. Um, it's pretty deeply gay. <laughs> uh, and it's set in Chicago. So, yeah, I enjoyed that one quite a lot. And that's what I would recommend to people. 
what are we going to be watching next? Uh, so next, we are going to be watching, I'm very curious to, th- to hear what Martha will think, but we are going to be watching the brand spankin' new, just came out a couple months ago, uh, film The Hating Game, on, which is now uh, on Hulu. Um, it is based on a massively popular romance novel, The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. Um, and as I think probably the only thing directly inspired by the Bridgerton, ah, let's finally make romance novels into media <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, but it is about uh, two rival co-workers who are vying for the same promotion. Um, yeah. Uh, and it is very new. Uh, so uh, we, we will be spoiling very new content. So The Hating Game, it is on Hulu. I cannot wait. Uh, Until then, if you also cannot wait, you should check out the other show that I do that updates on the same feed called Did You Do Your Homework, which I record uh, with Marin's husband, Pete, where we connect an academic idea to popular media and talk about things that we've been enjoying. Um, Our next episode is going to be on early aughts conspiracy theories, so you definitely want to check us out for that one. Uh, You can follow me individually everywhere online at MagicalMartha. Mostly I'm on Twitter and Instagram because I have no control over my life. Uh, Marin, where can people find you? Uh, Folks can find me at A underscore star underscore danced, uh, where I mostly tweet about romance novels these days. So feel free to give me a follow if that is something you were interested in. Uh, And you can follow the show on our social media at DYDYH podcast. Um, Oh, I guess I should say that I sometimes write a newsletter, but I haven't written it in a long time. So if you want to read the back issues, you can check that out at tinyletter.com backslash magical Martha. Maybe if more people start reading it, I'll actually start updating it again. Who can say? (laughs) Uh, That is going to do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Maren. This was delightful. We will see you all in a couple of weeks. And until then, just remember that we love you. this movie good i'm glad i was i was so afraid it was gonna be really dumb